0: Amen. That's one of my favorite songs, so we want to thank the praise team for singing that song and reminding us, especially during this season. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Diane Walker, and I am one of the staff ministers here at Linked Up Church. So if you were expecting the pastors, come back next week, (laughs) amen, amen. So first of all, I want to give honor to God. Um, You can be seated if you so desire. I want to first give honor to God, that cliche um, that people say he's the head of my life, but it's not a cliche to me, because he truly is the head of my life. And I want to thank him this morning for just giving me the opportunity to allow me to speak before you this morning in the absence of our pastors. I don't take it lightly, so I thank God because he is my everything. Without him, I would not be here today. I might not even be alive without him. So he is my all and my all in all. So I thank him this morning. Amen. I also want to thank our pastors again in their absence. Uh, Pastor G and Pastor, I call her Pastor T sometimes. The man and woman over at this house, we thank God for placing them over us as our overseers and our shepherds. And we thank them that they continually carry out the vision that God has called them to, amen? So we pray for their strength and their rest and their absence and I thank them for allowing me to speak to you today. Next, and one of the most important people I want to thank. You can tell when people are not used to speaking because they thank everybody. (laughs) So I want to thank my husband, Minister Johnny Walker we have been married for 32 years through the good times and through the difficult times that man right there what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man I don't know where I would be without him and I don't think I tell him enough so I want to say I thank you I love you and I appreciate you for all that you have done and that you do. Amen. Again, folks who not used to being up front, they just talk and go on and on. I wanna thank also my son, my daughter, and my daughter-in-law and my two nieces for being here today. And I also wanna give one other thing, thanks to, she's not here, my mother. She's at a point now where most times she doesn't even recognize who I am. But I want to thank her for showing unconditional love for me when I was acting a plum fool. All through my years coming up. And because of her, I believe I'm a better woman because of her. And then finally, I want to thank you guys for being willing to sit through this and listen to me this morning as I thank everybody. Thank you for coming. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And um, I pray that this word that God has given to me will, be, will minister to you. And I just thank you for being willing to listen to me this morning. Amen? Amen. And then I also want to thank and welcome those of you who are watching by Periscope, Internet, Facebook, and any other social media that you're uh, watching. Welcome, welcome, welcome this morning. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Please continue to tune in next week for Pastor Gregory and Pastor Trish. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, let's get to it. I have a couple questions I want to ask you. Let me put my glasses on. Okay. One of the questions I want to ask, and you don't have to raise your hand unless you want to. How many of us would say that our lives are very busy? I'll raise my hand. How many of us would say that we have little time to do anything these days? I would raise my hand on that. And here's a question I want to ask you. Why is that? Why are we so busy with no time? As I prepare for this message, I ran across an article months ago. And you know how you see stuff that's really good and you save it. So I decided that I was going to save this uh, article. So as I read this article to you, I want you to think about the questions that I asked, those two questions that I posed to you and the article the title of the message is how satan keeps christians from christ some of you may have heard it some of you ha- may have not for those of you who have heard it the old adage is faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god so we're going to hear it again and for those of you who have not just play- pay close attention how satan keeps christ i'm sorry how satan keeps christians from christ satan called a worldwide convention in its opening address to his evil angels, he said, we can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We cannot even keep them from leading conservative lifestyles. But we can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate, abiding experience in Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church. Let them have their conservative lifestyles, but still their time so they can't gain that experience in Jesus Christ. Here's how I want you to do this. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout their day. And then the evil angel shouted and asked, how do we do it? How do we do it? Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent numerous schemes to occupy their minds, Satan answered. Tempt them to spend, 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 and then borrow, borrow, borrow. Convince the wives to go to work and the husbands to work six to seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, so they can afford their lifestyle. Keep them from spending time with their children, As their families fragment, break up, break into pieces, crack apart, soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work and life. Sound familiar? Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that small, still voice. Entice them to play the radio or cassette player. This is an old article, cassette players. (laughs) Whenever they drive to keep the TV the VCR, their CDs going constantly in their homes. And to see to it, and this is so true today, and to see to it that every store and restaurant worldwide constantly plays music. Think about it when you go to the restaurants and to the stores. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with the news 24 seven and invade their driving time with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail, sweepstakes, mail order catalogs and every kind of newsletter and promotional offering, free products, services, and get this, false hopes. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from it exhausted, disquieted, and unprepared for the upcoming week. Don't let them go into nature. Don't go outside. But spend your time at amusement parks, sporting events, concerts, and movies instead. And when they meet for spiritual uh, fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so that they have troubled consciousness and unsettled emotions. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let them be involved in soul winning, but crowd their lives with so many good causes, they have no time to seek the power from Christ. Soon they will be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family unity for the good of the cause. Well, in the end, it was quite a convention. The evil angels went eagerly to their assignments, causing the Christians everywhere to get busy, 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 rush here and there. Now, my question to you, has the devil been successful in this scheme? You be the judge. I can relate to some of these that they talked about. Amen. Isn't that something? The author was unknown. The title of my message is distracted. Distracted is defined as having one's thoughts or attentions drawn away. Harassed, confused, or deranged, especially by strong feelings. Inability to concentrate caused by worry, sorrow, and anxiety. I took that from the Webster 1828 edition. Turn with me if you will to Matthew 6, Chapter 6, verses 25 to 33, we will be reading from the Amplified Classic Edition, the AMPC Edition. And it says, 25 says, therefore I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious and worried about your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life greater in quality than food? And the body far above and more excellent than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by worrying and being anxious can add one unit of measure to his stature or to the span of his life? And why should you be anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field and learn thoroughly how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I'm going to drop down to verse 32. Therefore, do not worry and be anxious, saying, What are we going to have or eat? Or what are we going to have or drink? Or what are we going to have to wear? For the Gentiles, the heathen, wish for and crave diligently, seeking all these things. And your heavenly Father knows well, what you need, well, that you need them all. But seek, aim, and strive after. First of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. His way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be giving you besides. Point number one, seeking the kingdom. Verse 33 says to seek, it's a Greek word, and it's, I don't know how to pronounce it, I'm just gonna spell it. Z-E-T-E-O, which means to crave, demand something from someone. Are we craving God today? Are we craving him every day? Just like we craved that Thanksgiving dinner we had this week, and I must admit it was good. But are we craving him? That's what seek means, to crave. Point number one, when we're distracted, we become discontent. We're always looking, seeking for the next big thing, next big activity, next excitement, seeking but not finding. God is waiting for us to draw near to him, to long for him more than anything or any person. God's presence and help in our lives is vital. Listen, we can't make it without him. He is the source of our existence. We cannot live and make it without him. Nothing good or of value, of true value, comes to our lives without God. It's simple as that. We can try it. We can do it. We can go our own way. We can be pulled away, which distracted means we could be drawn away. But nothing fills that space like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Number three, spending time with God through prayer and studying his word is necessary. It's a gift. It's a free gift. We don't have to go to work for it. It's free. A must to having a great fulfilling life and to carry out the plans and purposes he has for our lives. Number four, nothing can take the place of God. In order for us to have a healthy relationship with him, nothing can take that place. And then number five, when it comes to our everyday habits, are we putting God first? This message I hope is for all of us to think and to come up and to do better and not be distracted. Point number two, Sitting at the feet of Jesus, we're going to go to Luke 10:38 through 42, and this is the story of Mary and Martha, and you've heard this before I know. Jesus entered into Mary and Martha's house. Uh, their brother was Lazarus, you know about him being raised from the dead later on. But he came into their house. There were two sisters, Martha and Mary. And we're going to pick it up in verse 42 in verse 40, because I want you to hear what Martha says. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Turn her then to help me, to lend a hand and do her part along with me. But the Lord replied to Martha and said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is need of only one or but a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is her is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away. Martha was busy, busy, busy. And this word says that Mary chose the good thing. She sat at Jesus' feet. It didn't say if anybody else did, uh, if there, the guests were there, if they sat at his feet. It only said Mary. Mary was smart enough to recognize what she needed was sitting right there in front of her. She didn't have to clean. She didn't have to try to impress. It was sitting right there in front. Her very life, our life is right here in us. Our life existence, our source, God, his spirit lives on the inside of us. We don't have to look outside. All we got to do is look inside. Amen? Amen? By Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, this is what she showed him, that she accepted and obeyed God's word. She had faith and she submitted to him. Mary believed what Jesus said. She showed him by sitting at his feet that she loved him. When was the last time we just sat at his feet? Not asking, not toiling, not begging, not distracted. Sitting at his feet. She showed her service. How did she show her service? By sitting at his feet, by listening and being attentive. One, one commentator says that when a speaker, it's an honor when a speaker speaks and his pupils or the students listen and show attentiveness. And that's what Mary did. I believe Martha, at first I thought Martha was trying to impress the guests. And y'all know how we do when people coming over. We want to make act like we got it going on, make sure the house looking good, we looking good, the food set up just right. But then I thought more about it and as I studied this, I believe and Martha didn't do anything wrong, but she was just busy and worried. I believe because Jesus was coming to her house, she wanted to make it perfect. But here's the thing. He's not looking for perfect in us. He's looking for a relationship from us. Just us. In our form, who we are, where we are, right now. Just a relationship. That's all he's looking for. Amen. Amen. Romans 12, 2. Oh, let me back up a minute before I go there. I wanted to talk about how we're bombarded every every day with things that we allow to take our time, peace, joy, righteousness, money, everything. As I was studying the Bible app, and you would think of all places the Bible app, ads were popping up while I'm trying to study. Distractions. Ads about shoes and clothes. Y'all pray for me, I'm still working that out. <laughs> ads about makeup, ads about what you might have, what ailment you might have. Then they had the ads with the medication that you could buy to relieve you from the ailment that you might have. Everything was popping up. Like, my God, in the Bible app. Speaking of social media, how much time are we spending on? Facebook, Twitter, dating sites. Other sites we shouldn't be on? I'm just saying. Something to think about. If we would give a smidgen of that time, just a smidgen of that time that we give to those other things that cannot help us, that distracts us and pulls us away, if we give that time to the Word of God that attracts us to God, draws us closer, I believe a lot of our answers will be taken care of. <laughs> Romans twelve two. I'm going to read it from the easy-to-read Holy Bible. Um, you can read it from the King James. It says, Don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to understand it and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. There's two Greek words for conformed. It's called "sun" and schema. Conform is defined as to conform oneself One's mind and character to another's pattern. Fashion oneself according to. How many of you guys remember the phrase, if you're old as I am, I want to be like Mike? Everybody want to be like Mike. Remember when Michael Jordan came out with the tennis shoes and the clothes? We want to dress like him, look like him, talk like him, play ball like him, have his money. (laughs) I still want to have his money. (laughs) World, distractions. We pattern ourselves after him. Or after whoever it may be. We conform to the world instead of the world conforming to us. Point number three. Then I'll get into it. Psalms. Let's go to Psalms chapter 1, verses 2. And again, I'm reading from the Amplified. I like the Amplified because it makes it simple. But I want us to think today what's distracting us and how we can change those distractions or stop those distractions. Because the word of God said it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Sometimes it's not the big stuff, it's the little stuff. What are we doing with our time that we could be doing with God? All right. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. Oh, my time is running away. Is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. But his delight and desire in the law of the Lord, and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. As many times as I've read that passage, I never saw it like I saw it when I was studying this time, especially their advice, their plans, and their purposes. What's the world's counsel to us? What I call them, what's their distractions that we follow? They tell us how we should look, how we should dress, and who to date. Number one, number two, they tell Christians we cannot celebrate celebrate Christmas or even say Jesus or Christmas in a public setting. Go to the store now and say Merry Christmas. Guess what they say? Same to you. What's same to you? What's same to you? that? What? So I purpose is to say again, Merry Christmas. And then they say, oh, Merry Christmas. (laughs) They tell us we cannot pray, read, or even bring our Bibles to some schools. They tell us the kind of car to buy, how to buy it, and then pay for it on their credit. Always after our money. And we just going on and rolling on. We haven't asked God one time where we should spend it, how we should spend it, what we should do with it. And he's right here. We don't have to look outside. He's right here. Distractions, but that's the trick of the enemy. They tell us where to work, how many hours to work, when to take a vacation, and how much we are worth. They tell us how to raise our kids, that we gotta buy them the latest gadgets. And then those gadgets teach our children and raise them. I'm not opposed to gadgets, don't get me wrong, I got some, still learning on some of the others. But I ask you, what about God, where does he fit in? Our creator, our source of life, our life being. Where does he fit in in our rushing, especially now during Christmas season? Think about it, are we following the world? Are we we rushing, hustling and bustling? Are we missing Sunday service to go shopping? Catch the deal, which in reality is not a deal. Are we spending beyond our budget to impress somebody who five minutes later don't even remember and you stuck with the bill? For the next year, two years, five, ten years, whatever. Who cares? Now, I'm I'm preaching to myself this morning as well, (laughs) just so y'all know. Our kids are worn out from activities, events, and projects that we have committed them to in the name of being successful. Uh, Don't get me wrong. You got to have extracurricular activity. But do they need to be in four sports events at one time? And we got kids now that are stressed out going to doctors at young ages, having all kind of ailments because we following what the world tells us. They tell us in order to do that, in order to be successful, you got to be in sports. You got to go to this school. You got to do that. We follow the world. They don't even want to have anything to do with God. They don't even acknowledge him in today's world. Yeah, we just walk along aimlessly and we follow them. They don't even care about God. We're distracted by the stuff and the things when we should be attracted to God. Just think about it. If we took the time that it takes, if we took the time that we used to pursue things and we took a smidgen of that time and taught our children the word of God, that's the success, how to live in God. That's everything right there. How would their lives look? How would our teenagers' lives look if they took a smidgen, just a little smidgen of the time they spent on social media? How would our teenagers' lives look if they spent that with God? What about us? We do the same thing. How about us? If we took just a smidgen of that time? Let me give you an example. I was in the bed about a week or two ago. You know how you sit around, you flipping the television, trying to find something to watch. There was nothing to watch. Thirty minutes had gone by. I'm still flipping the TV. Holy Spirit, dropped in my spirit, if you had taken that 30 minutes that you spent flipping the TV and spending with me, you would have had answers to some of the questions you had. It don't take much, y'all. We say we are busy, but what are we busy doing? Nothing more important than being busy with God, amen? Okay, I got to move on. Time running out. Point number four, removing distractions. It's time for a change. As we have seen, one of Satan's cunning weapons is distractions. He knows if we become sidetracked, guess what? We'll pull away completely from God. And it just takes a little bit to sidetrack us and get us off track if we're not cognizant of who we are and whose we are. Amen? Amen. To keep us faithful and in close relationship, in close fellowship and communion with him, sometimes God wants us to m- remove those distractions, get away. Even those distractions, it might hurt. Some of the things we do, it might just hurt us to remove them. But guess what? They need to be removed. I love y'all. Let me give you an example of some of the distractions that you might want to consider. And I'm in this too. He's working on me too. If our career or desire for money or social status are more important to us than pleasing God, we got to change. We got to get our priorities straight. If a relationship is keeping us from spending time with God and we're looking for that person's attention and approval more than God, it's time for a change. Let me give you an example. I'm going to try to make it quick. How many of you guys remember Samson and Delilah in the Bible? In the Old Testament, Judges. Okay, I'm not promoting a movie, but for those of you who didn't raise your hand, it's an old movie. They've made two or three versions. The best version I've seen is the one they made back in the 1970s. I'm telling my age, but I think it was made in the 50s or 60s, but we started watching it in the 70s. You can Google um, Google it, YouTube it, whatever. Go watch, get the movie, Samson and Delilah. Samson was a man who was ordained of God before he was born. The angel of the Lord had gone to his parents and said, You're gonna have a son and he's gonna be anointed. The thing that anointed him was his strength. His strength came from his hair. He had curly hair. So I'm just imagining he's strong. He has supernatural strength, far more than human strength. So I'm imagining Samson was probably fine. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He was not like you, baby, but he was fine. (laughs) Let me clean that up. (laughs) But I'm imagining he was fine. He had strength. He was a man called of God. He was one of the judges over Israel until they got a king. Samson had it going on. But Samson was distracted by one thing, women. Samson was a womanizer. He He would go after the forbidden women which were the Philistine women, and they sometime in the word, I think it called them foreign women. He would go after these women that were not of God, and he was told by his parents, everybody, don't do it, man, don't do it. Yet, he had been married twice. His third marriage really caused him to be killed. Um, His third wife was Delilah. Samson was the same man who had taken the jawbone of an ass, or they call it an ass in the Bible. You can call it a donkey. And he killed 1,000 Philistine men. So Samson had it going on. But he loved women. He loved women so much, not only was he married three times, but often he would go to Gaza and he would have sex relationship with prostitutes. But he was still called by God. That didn't change the calling. But eventually, it did him in. So Samson met Delilah. I'm running out of time. He met Delilah. Long story short, um, nobody knew the secret to his strength. Delilah, his third wife, found the the secret to his strength. They paid Delilah to find out. The Philistines paid Delilah to find out the secret of his strength. His strength was was in his hair. when When he finally told Delilah, she cut his hair. He was laying down in her lap. Another story for another day. Okay, cut all his hair off. All his strength was gone. They subdued him, put him in jail. The Philistines did. They mocked him out in public, humiliated him. Oh, they gouged out his eyes. Sometimes the thing that'll bring you pleasure, if you're not careful, will bring you pain. God gives us eyes to see beautiful things and to view beautiful things. You got to be careful what you're lusting after with your eyes. So anyway, Gouged out his eyes, he was blind. Didn't have any strength anymore. But God. God loves us in spite of what we do. God's grace and his mercy and his faithfulness endures forever. Even in that situation, God turned that situation around for Samson. Guess what? Samson's hair grew back. And as a result of that hair growing back, his strength came back. And in the end... He was able to, he had a little boy, he called a little boy and asked him, he was bound and chained. so he asked this little boy to take him to the building where all the Philistines were, those Athenas, arenas, or whatever you call them. They were sitting there mocking him. He asked him to take between these two pillars. Strength came back. He pushed the two pillars apart. The whole building came down. 3,000 of them died in addition to Samson. He died. What would have happened if Samson had not been distracted? By the women, by Delilah. How many of you are distracted by he or she or them or him? All right. In conclusion, I'm over my time. I got to go. In conclusion, the bottom line is any situation or desire in our life that keeps us from being led by the Holy Spirit or living for God is is an unhealthy distraction. It's not good for us. God wants us to be moved by his spirit, not by distractions. So today we're going to set aside all the distractions of life and purposely focus on God. Especially in today's time, Christmas, everything going on. Let's focus on him. Ask him, am I to buy it? Am I not to buy it? Don't be trying to impress family and friends. Again, five minutes later, they gone. You stuck with the bill. Okay? Okay. So we're gonna walk it out. Seek God with our whole hearts. He's always waiting for us, even when we jack up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here's how we're gonna walk it out. I'm gonna ask you to do something. Study and meditate Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and Proverbs verses 3, chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 from the message Bible. Then I want you to study Romans 12, chapter 2 from the netbible.com. Secondly, I want you to pray and ask God to show you practical steps you can take to make him first, to not be distracted. Finally, during this season, I want you to slow down, but I want you to slow down, take time, read The Birth and Life of Jesus Not only read it, but teach it to your children so they know the true meaning of Christmas this year. So we know the true meaning. It's not about buying things. It's not about giving, folks. It's about the birth of Jesus and that he came to redeem us or to bring us back to God because God loved us so much. Let's do that this year. You can still buy stuff, but do that then. Ask God what you are to buy. Amen. And then I want you to thank God for giving us the best gift ever his son, Jesus, Amen. and stay focused. Amen? Amen? All right, let's stand. I want, us to, I want you to repeat after me. Everybody stand. We're going to say this quick little prayer. So repeat after me. Lord, Lord I, ask you I ask you to help me remove, to help you remove all distractions, all distractions in, my life, in my life, even if it hurts. Even Help me, to seek you Help me to seek you above all else, above all else. And, be led and be led by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. In, my daily life. in my daily life. I want to live for you. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. amen. I hope you received the word. Amen. I hope it blessed you this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, while everyone is standing every uh head is bowed every eyes closed in prayer i want you i want